Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn with me to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. When you look at this outline, don't get nervous. There is no way I'll get through this today. No possible way. We've been talking about the power of affirmation. We talked about how God is an affirmer. First thing He did when He created Adam and Eve was look them right square in the eye and say, the Word says, and He blessed them. What He said was, Barak, in the Hebrew, He said, I adore you. We looked at the characters of the Bible, Old and New Testament. And then we got to the church in Ephesians 1, and we went verse by verse, talking about how God feels about us. We talked about how at the cross, a transfer took place where our sins were laid on Jesus and His righteousness were, was laid on us. We talked about how we have to receive the gift of righteousness and the abundance of His grace Romans 5.17, we've been in there for two or three weeks. And by the way, you can join already 50,000 other people who've downloaded the teaching sessions on our website. How about that? Isn't that amazing? Have you embraced the gift of righteousness and more than enough grace? I want to ask you a question today. I brought a little table up here to give you a visual, to imagine a small table. I want everybody to go here with me. I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to imagine a small table. And I want you to imagine yourself sitting on one side of that table. And now I want you to imagine that the Lord Jesus Christ, as best you can visualize Him, has now walked into the room and has sat down on the other side of that table with you. The Lord Jesus Christ has come into the room and sat down at that table with you. Just let that soak in for just a minute. It's just you and him at the table. With your eyes still closed in this visual, I want to ask you a question. What are you thinking that he thinks of you? Do you think that somehow he's aggravated? Is he disappointed in you? Is he disgusted or even angry? 
Or is he distant? He's not looking or saying anything. It's just blank. What is he saying about you? Now here's a question I have for you. What evidence do you have that the way you think he thinks about you is accurate? Is it your feelings? Is it some kind of floating guilt? Is it based on some recent choices or even distant choices? What is the basis of how you think he's viewing you right now? Do you think it's based on some good stuff you've been doing? Some good choices, some giving. What is the basis for your view of how you think he sees you? Now think about that for just a minute and keep on asking yourself, does my view of how I think he sees me line up with the truth? Now look at your pastor. Do you believe that the eternal and unchanging word of God is the truth? Well, Jesus said it was. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you'd probably have to come to the same conclusion, don't you think? Jesus said, Father, sanctify my children in the truth. Thy word is the truth. So as we look here in Ephesians 1, we see in verse 3 that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Remember, this is to the church. This is to you, his daughter, his son. That God has chosen to bless you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now ask yourself the question, do I, as I look into the eyes of Jesus, especially as best I can across the table from me, do I really believe that he has chosen to bless me with everything he's got in heaven? Is he blessing me as I sit across the table from him? Is he speaking a blessing to me? Just as he chose us, verse 4, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Well, let's stop just a minute. When you look across the table, is he looking at you? And do you hear him say, I chose you before you were ever born? You were my daughter. You were my son. I chose you before you ever got here. I knew every choice you were ever going to make, and I chose you anyway. Is that the view you have of him? Holy and blameless. 
When you look across the table, is he looking at you and saying, because of my grace, through the blood I shed on your behalf, you are holy and blameless before Father God. There is no distance between me and you. Having predestined, verse 5, having preset a destination, and what was it? To adopt us into his family, his children, by Jesus Christ to himself, because, listen, according to the good pleasure of his will. What does that mean? Jesus is looking at you today and saying, I am calling you this way because I want to. The good pleasure of my will is because I want to. Is your view changing at all? Are you beginning to see He wants you? Are you beginning to see He chose you? Are you beginning to see He's speaking blessing to you? To the praise, verse 6, of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted. That is, God made us accepted in the Beloved, in His Beloved Son. Look across the table at him right now. You see what he's saying to you through his holy scripture? He is saying you are just as accepted in the eyes of my father as I am. Y'all believe that? In him, verse 7, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace, His favor and ability. Everybody, when you look into His eyes according to this, is He saying, listen, I have forgiven you of all the times and ways you have fallen short of my glory. You are forgiven. Man, I can give two hands of praise on that. Forgiven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He made that grace, verse 8, to abound. It just overflows. It's more than enough. In all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure because He wanted to. Oh my. Verse 11, in Him we've obtained an inheritance. Here's where I'm getting to. Then in verse 15, Paul talks, he, he goes into prayer. This is what I've been praying for me. And for you, boy, this has been a wrestling match this week. I don't get my sermons off the internet. Y'all know that, don't you? You need to pray for me. The responsibility that I feel to feed you fresh bread is overwhelming sometimes. I'm not griping. I wouldn't do anything else. But I've been getting into Paul's prayer here for me and for you. Listen to what he says here. I do not cease 
to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your heart, your understanding, your spirit man, would be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Wait a minute now. His inheritance in the saints. Do you receive an inheritance? Yes or no? We have an inheritance in our God that is mighty. But you know what this verse is saying? This is saying, I want you to get a revelation about what an inheritance you are to Him. I want you to get revelation of what, how special you are to Him. You are His inheritance. The cross didn't gain Him a throne. He already had it. The cross didn't give Him any power. He already spoke the world. The cross gave Him you. You're His daughter. You're His son. You are His inheritance. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. In verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. You've got resurrection power on the inside of you. Death cannot hold you. It cannot stifle your hope. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, the devil can do everything he can do. He can call all the minions of hell, but he cannot stop the resurrection power of Jesus in you. In you. And he put all things, verse 22, under his feet. He put all things, all things, all things, all lack, all sickness, all disease, all enmity, all strife, every demon of hell are under the feet of Jesus. It's not going to be done, it's already been done. And then he turned around and gave him who is the head over all things to you, to the church, to his daughters, to his sons. And go back now, go back to verse 17. What's the heart of the prayer? That you would get it. That you get revelation of it. That he would pull the curtains back in your inner man, in your spirit man. That God would pull the curtains back and reveal to you what? This supernatural power and what did he just say? That you are holy and righteous and blameless and chosen and blessed and predestined 
and accepted and forgiven and redeemed. This is the heart cry of the apostle that we would have revelation of it. That we would understand, that we would get it. Revelation means that something is revealed. And our part is to connect with that which is revealed. You know, I um, heard the gospel over and over and over and over and over again as a young boy. But one day, I wasn't paying an attention and I fought my mother for making me having to go to this particular service. Any of y'all ever done that? You ever argued with somebody? I sat in the service and in a moment, this cross that I'd heard about, this Jesus that I'd heard about, I had information, 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 information. But one day in a moment, the Holy Spirit gave me revelation of that of which I had information. And all of a sudden, there was nobody in this world but me and Jesus. And I saw that it was for me that he died, that my sins put him there, that God had raised him from the dead, that he was knocking on the door of this little boy's heart and giving me the grace to welcome him in. And from that day forward to this, 55 years ago, it was changed. Information turned into revelation. How does that happen? How does that happen? Turn back to the left. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Thank you for that encouragement. Thank you, thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 9. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has ever entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Everybody say, that's me. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. Now look at verse 12. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Would it be fair to say that what we've just studied in Ephesians 1, giving you an identity, giving you an inheritance, giving you forgiveness and blessing and acceptance and perfect love and blamelessness and righteousness, would it be fair to say that those have been given to you by God? Then why don't you join me and start praying the Ephesians 1 prayer. God, give me revelation. Pull the curtains back. Help me to get it. I want to increasingly understand what it means to know you in your fullness. To know how you see me. I want the encounter at the table to change daily. I want new revelation of how you see me. New revelation. Will you go there with me? He's not there to beat you up. He's there to show you. Listen, people say, well, you're just preaching all this grace and you're just giving people a license to sin. Listen, 
You get hold of revelation of grace, grace will cause you to at last not be motivated to sin. You won't want to. When we get a revelation of how our Father sees us, it doesn't give us a license to sin. It makes us want to walk in light of it. God, give us revelation. Pastor, how do I get revelation? Well, I just wrote something down for you, and I'm going to quit with this. ABC. You understand ABC? Ask for it. James says, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. And sometimes we ask, but quit too soon. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he who knocks and keeps on knocking will have it open to him. He who asks and keeps on asking will receive. So I want you to go on a journey with me. And I want us to every day begin to ask the Lord for new revelation of how he sees us based not on how you feel, based not on some mistakes you may have made, not based on the circumstances of your life, but based the revelation on the evidence, the evidence that does not change. You can feel deserted, you can feel guilty, you can feel shameful, you can feel all kind of things, but when you come to that table every day and you look into his eyes, you say, Lord, help me to base how you see me on the evidence that you've left me. We need to get to that point to where our thoughts and our emotions are not what drives us. It is the truth of the Word of God because that's where the power is. Jesus said, if you'll abide in my Word, you'll know the truth and that truth will set you free. Ask, ask, be, believe, ask in faith. James 1, I believe it's verse 12, says, you know, if you ask for God's perspective, wisdom, if you ask without any doubt, he'll give it to you. Doubt is not something you feel. Doubt is something you do. Doubt has to do with the choices you make not some floating around feeling. You can see the Word of God and go on to mighty victory with doubt still floating around in your mind. But at some point, you're going to have to rise up and say, I believe what the Word of God says. I believe the witness of the Spirit of God. And you know what? I have chosen. I will believe what I believe. I will not doubt what the Word has said. I will go forward. Well, if I really believe, does it mean that I won't be afraid? No, sometimes you just have to obey scared. Fear doesn't always immediately back off when you take a step of faith. If it's been entrenched in your inner man a long time, you're going to have to stand and ask God for a greater revelation of the love of God, which casts out all fear, and understand that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Yeah. 
Ask him for it. Believe that his word is true, even if you don't feel it. Feelings ain't got nothing to do with it. And then confess that it's true. I've told you this over the course of many years. Your words take authority over your thoughts every time. Thoughts are unspoken words. But they will deceive you and lead you into all inferior places if you don't take authority over them with your words. Words that are based in the word of God because Hebrew, listen, Hebrews 4.12 tells us this. The word of God is alive and full of God's power. So when I speak God's word, it's got God's power on it. And my thoughts have to submit to the words that have his word in it. You say, Pastor, does the word of God actually have energy in the very word? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I tell you, you can go places and do things all in the name of Christianity, but you better stay anchored in the Word. The Word. Confess the Word. And confess the inner working of the Holy Spirit. What He says. And what does that do? It establishes, it confirms, it reinforces the truth. And it gives you an opportunity to get greater revelation of what the Lord is trying to say to you. Stand with me, please. How many of you would say, just repeat this after me, Mighty Father, thank you for your holy word. I am asking, according to your word, for revelation. Help me to get it. Pull the curtains back on the information so I can have revelation your word needs to come alive in me I want to receive it and walk in it enable me to see how you see me I know that if I see how you see me nothing 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 can stop me oh Jesus now say this with me. Dear Lord, please forgive me for thinking that you're ashamed of me, embarrassed about me, annoyed or angry. I have based that on my circumstances, on my feelings, and on what others say. You are my righteousness. You love me right where I am right as I am and that's good enough for me give me revelation of it in the name of Jesus oh God oh grant it Lord grant it
somebody has a word today, don't be afraid. Mike, thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of the things that Steve was saying, I think the Holy Spirit took some of those words and and showed me a few other things that I think he would have me share. And I think I'd like to start with an example. Jim, I look over here and I see your beautiful children, Daniel and Cheryl, and I know you love them ask you a question, and I already know the answer. Would you lay down your life for them? Wouldn't hesitate a second, would you? How many of you have children in here? Would you hesitate one second if someone had kidnapped your children and laying down your life would set them free? You wouldn't even hesitate. That's how much you love your children because they are flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. And not only that, I believe that when we bear children that something of our spirit man lives in them as well. That's the love that a parent feels for a child. Jesus did what I just described. He laid down his life because we were kidnapped. He laid down his life, didn't even hesitate, planned it from the beginning of the world, laid down his life so that he could set us free and regain us. And not only that, Steve spoke about inheritance. When he laid down his life, his spirit became available to us. He gave us His Spirit. His Spirit is in us. And He laid down His life to regain that inheritance. We are His inheritance. So, I, I just hope that helps us all, helps me to have a greater revelation of how much He loves us. First John says, perfect love cast out all fear. I have read some commentaries that say that you could think of that as perfected love, which means complete. And when we have a complete, perfected revelation of His love, there is nothing to fear. So, Father, I just ask that you help us all this morning, Lord God, to gain a greater revelation and understanding of the height, the breadth, the length and depth of your love for us so that we can walk in this life without fear. We thank you for what you've done for us, Lord Jesus, and we give you all honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Well, I believe the Lord used Daniel's words to come into our presence in a manifested way to begin this service. I believe the Lord used Mike, one of our elders, to speak this word to us. That is a great revelation. Know how much Dean and I love you. We pray for you. Next week is the last Sunday of the month. I'm going to follow Jeremiah. He preached down at the 
church in the Pines in Lake Martin last Sunday. I hate to follow him. Next Sunday, I know some of you have lake property. If you're down there, come join me at 9 o'clock next, next Sunday. That is right, isn't it? 9 o'clock, I believe. Uh, uh, Ed, if you're down there, come join me. Pray with us. I, I can't wait for two weeks from now. Not just because college football starts either. Thanks to all of you. Go with God. He's going with you. See you in two weeks. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.